pray for us. God, we thank you and, and celebrate all that you do. We celebrate all that you've done. God, you've been, pro been providing um, when we couldn't forever. <laughs> um, Lord, that's, that's your thing, is to make a way, uh, God, to, uh, to cover gaps, Lord, to uh, do the impossible. And, and we see that in the Christmas story. We see that in the arrival of Christ. And so we, we just celebrate that, and we thank you. We, we pray that as we open your word today, as, as we look at a familiar story, God, that you give us new eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. So in 2015, there's a movie that came out called The Walk. Anybody seen The Walk? Great, new story for everybody. There's, it's a, it told the true story of a Frenchman named Philippe Petit, who in 1974 ran a cable across both towers of the World Trade Center in New York City. Remember this? For 50 minutes, he walked between those cables. Um, he was 25 years old. Uh, he was a juggler, an aerialist, and a unicycler. He didn't unicycle on the cable, as far as I know. That would be the next step. Um, but he read about the construction of these new towers in 1968, and he spent six years putting together a plan, hatching a scheme, they called it the artistic crime of the century, um, to run a cable between the towers. And he got friends involved. And they ended up working at the World Trade Center as construction workers, disguised as construction workers. And one Tuesday night, uh, they stayed late, and they, if they spent hours trying to set up this, I don't know how they did it, um, but they set up 138 foot stretch of cable connecting the two towers. Asked later why he, why he did that, Felipe said, I see three oranges and I have to juggle. I see two towers and I have to walk. So he was just, he's just that, you know, this is his thing. This is who he is. So on, the, on a Wednesday morning, August 7th, 1974, Felipe Petit walked between the towers for 50 minutes. Um, the the, the uh, cable was one inch thick in diameter. Uh, he was 1,368 feet in the air. And he spent 50 minutes on there. There was a crowd gathering below. There were police on both sides of the tower yelling at him to get off. And he stood there. At one point, he took a bow, and the cable kind of shook. Uh, at one point, he sat on the cable. And at one point, he laid on his back and looked up at the sky while all this chaos is going on around him. If we tried to capture the, the emotion or feeling of what was going on in that moment, I think the word tension would describe this moment very well. First of all, Felipe's life relied on the tension of that cable. Like if that, that, that cable had to stay tense or he would die. Uh, the crowd watched in tension, the police watched in tension because at any moment, with any mistake, Felipe would die. Or Philippe, sorry, it's French, not Spanish. Philippe, Philippe would die. So, uh, tension, uh, and, and you think about Philippe, he had to put aside the tension of the moment so that he wouldn't get too shaky, uh, so that he could just do, do his thing uh, on the cable. So, we've been in a series 
Oh, by the way, as soon as he put one foot on the building, the cops had him on the ground, locked him up, took him to jail. He actually got out of jail by promising to do a show the next week at Central Park. Not as high, but that's, that's pretty good. So anyways, anyways, we've been, we've been in this series called God Planned, and we've been talking about how without God, the world without God is full of chaos. Um, but God planned to bring the Prince of Peace to this chaotic world. And so God's plan leads us to peace in our relationship with God and, on, and in our relationship with each other. But as we're going to talk about today and we're going to look at this familiar story, we're going to see that God's plan also leads us into times of tension. We experience tension in our own life. And in fact, God forms us through tension. God forms us, he leads us into it, and he forms us through tension. When we, we grow, when we choose to trust God, when life feels shaky and scary. And life often does feel shaky and scary, but we grow when we, we choose to trust God. Um, when we choose to trust, uh, <laughs> trust him and, and not look down at the ground and see, uh, see what could happen. It says this in 1 Peter 4. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the, at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Peter is saying that tension is part of the plan. It's part of God's plan. That it's not strange, it's normal. When you trust God, you enter into tension. And knowing Christ doesn't mean we won't suffer. It just means that there is purpose in our suffering and that our suffering, if we trust God, brings us closer to Christ, brings us closer to relationship with God. It's a well-known fact that we're all going to suffer in life, regardless of whether we trust Christ or not. Suffering is just part of living in this chaotic world. The question for us and the difference is, will you be able to rejoice in your suffering? Will you be able to rejoice in your suffering? So today we're going to look at God's plan that created significant tension in the lives of a young couple we know pretty well, Joseph and Mary. We're going to compare their tension and how they responded to another young person later in the book of Matthew. And the tension that God decided to throw on Mary and Joseph was an unplanned pregnancy. Here you go. Everything seemed to be growing great for, for Mary and Joseph until God put them at the center of his plan to save the world. They hadn't trained for it. They didn't prep for it. They were simply thrown into it. When they got engaged, they had no idea what was coming. How many of you guys know the song, Mary, Did You Know? We sing that song and we imagine Mary uh, holding this newborn baby. But there's no song that says, Mary, did you know that your fiancé would want to leave you? You know, we don't sing about these other things that came before that. That's part of the story. It all started with this pregnancy that they didn't expect. So we're going to go ahead and read Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. We're actually picking up last week, we did the first 17 verses of Matthew, which if you remember was a big long list of names. There's actually a story in this part. So um, we're going to go ahead and read that this morning. It says, 
This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. So we see two things in this passage. We see that God has a clear plan, and it's been a plan for a long, long time, and that God's plan is going to create a lot of tension for some everyday people. So God has a plan, but it's going to mean some, uh, some, some everyday people are going to have to walk into some tension. Matthew here talks about the prophecy of Jesus' arrival in Isaiah 7.14, uh, which is found in, when God gives a sign to King Ahaz. He gives the sign that a virgin would bear a son that would be called Emmanuel or God with us. And that was 700 years before this event. And so... So these 700 years later, after this prophecy, the angel Gabriel shows up to this young girl, engaged girl, probably 15 years old, and he has some great news. Hey, you're going to have a baby. That's great news. And not only that, it's, it's the Messiah. He's going to save the world. You're going to carry the child. This is great news for the world. It's rough news for Mary. Great news for the world, rough news for Mary. It's going to create all sorts of complications and tension in her life. Now, the Gospel of Luke focuses on Mary, but, but the Gospel of Matthew focuses on Joseph. And so it kind of talks about, about Joseph's side of the story. And Joseph is described as a man who is faithful to the law. He was doing his best to follow God. He was doing his best to obey. He was trying to, trying to stay faithful to God. Probably why God chose him to, to, to be a part of this. When Mary told Joseph, he clearly didn't believe her. I mean, it's kind of an unbelievable thing. Joseph must have felt like this is just some kind of cover-up. Why would Mary do this? He probably felt betrayed in that she was, she's just like hysterical or something. Why, why did she come up with this story? And so he decides he's going to divorce her quietly, which at the time only took two witnesses. You just needed two witnesses. And this was a much better option than the other option, which was stoning her. So he was thinking, oh, probably we can just do the divorce thing. Sounds like a better, better option for everybody. So he was trying to keep it as honorable as he could and trying to figure out what to do with this surprise. It wasn't something he expected or planned for. And so the unfolding, the beginning of the plan, 
of God's plan looked like everything was about to unravel. It just looked like chaos. And uh, here's the point I want to start with this morning, is that God's great work in our lives requires us to step into great tension. God's work in our lives, it always requires tension. God's plan to redeem the world required that a young couple walk through shame, confusion, that they'd be poor, they'd be wandering around trying to find a place to stay. All the while, they're carrying the Savior of the world. God's plan for our lives is usually different than our plan for our lives. God seems more interested in, in his glory shining through us, in, in, in big things working through our lives, than, than us staying in a comfortable space. And often he leads us into trials, hardships, and seasons in our lives where we have little choice but to trust him. Little choice but to hang on. See, these are the things we wouldn't choose, right? We would, if, if we got a script of our lives, these are the things we might cross out. Like, no thanks. You know, I think about the classic, like, what is the classic script for the American dream? You know, uh, graduate high school, find a good job, or go to college, get married, raise kids, get my dream house, go really big on holidays, go to Disneyland, retire, sit on my front porch, and yell at kids on their bikes. I think that is the plan. Uh, isn't that the, is that the plan? Maybe not. See, see, see I'm from Portland, and the, the plan in Portland was to retire at age 25, work at a coffee shop. That was the plan in Portland. So th there's different versions of the American dream. The Whatcom County dream might be to work hard enough to spend most of your time in the mountains or in a boat somewhere. I don't know. But um, God's life script for us looks a little different. God's plan looks different than our plan. God's concerned less about our comfort and more about our character. Um, God's plan looks less like Disneyland and more like balancing 1,368 feet in the air. When we follow Jesus, he invites us to step into some tension. All throughout the Gospels, this, Jesus was explaining that to his disciples that following him meant danger. And for some, the tension of this actually prevented them or deterred them from following him. Because he gave people a choice. Everybody had a choice. And this is the other person I want to talk about today. We're going to look at an encounter between Jesus and a rich young man found in the, later in the Gospel of Matthew. So let's speed up. We're going to go way forward in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew 19:16. We're going to compare Joseph and Mary's response to tension to this man who's unnamed. This is the story starting in Matthew 19, 16, if you have your Bibles. It says, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall, shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, 
and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. We don't have to say yes to the tension that Jesus offers. If you can imagine Jesus talking to someone who's spending their life living for the American dream, they might have a similar conversation. What do you really want? And here's a man, he, he had all his ducks in a row. He had his life figured out. Financially, he was set. But there was one thing that he didn't have control over, and that was where he would spend eternity. How can he know for sure that he's saved? That was his, his focus. And so Jesus asked him, have you obeyed the law? Yes. But that didn't seem like it was enough. Like, what else am I missing? Well, I'm missing something. What is it? And so Jesus hit him with this. He said, if you want to be perfect, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Whoa. Whoa, that's a little extreme, Jesus. Jesus tested this man's love for him. Do you really want me? Do you really want me? Or, or is your security still in your wealth? Are you willing to step out on a wire? Or are you pretty comfortable where you're at? See, Jesus always calls us to be willing to abandon everything for him. And he calls us to lay down our lives to follow him. That's how we grow as disciples. And we see in scripture that some are willing and some are not. If this man really wanted to follow Jesus, that would mean he would be willing to surrender his comfort and security. But what Jesus reveals is the tension that's going on in his own heart. Like Jesus said, another time, you can't serve two masters, you can't serve God and money, right? And this is, he's calling out the tension in this man's heart. He wants to serve God, but yet he's, he's really spending his life serving money and hoping God will cover his bases after he dies. And so Jesus exposes the tension. Maybe you think, that's really mean. Like, the guy's doing some good stuff. Like, give him a pass. That's not how Jesus is wired. Jesus is, it, Jesus is not wired to just give us a pass. He cares about us, and he wants character to form in us more than, more than comfort. And so, and so he challenges this man, okay, if you really love me, be willing to give everything up. Give your, give your money to the poor and come follow me. Come have relationship with me. Be my, you know, kind of like enter into this friendship with God. Is money holding you back from having a complete relationship with God? And what we see is Jesus says, your faith should lead you to want reward in heaven over reward now. And there's nothing wrong with living for an eternal reward. You know, Jesus talks about it over and over again. Not that we, we, you know, we joke about, oh, brownie points in heaven and mansions in heaven. That's not our focus. But what Jesus is getting at is, like, your hope should not be here. Your hope should be in the restored life to come. And so the question is this. Do we trust that God's plan is better than our plan? Do we trust that God's plan is better than our plan? Jesus' plan for this man meant to surrender to God that would reshape his soul. 
Like transformation was right there. Uh, it meant Jesus would call him to live now for something that really mattered. E eternity, have an eternal impact. But he walked away, this man walked away from his own soul transformation. We all face this kind of choice. We all face this kind of tension. Jesus calls us to step out on a wire to follow him. And so we take stock. You ask yourself, what am I living for? Where is my hope? Where is my security? Am I willing to walk into the tension of following Jesus with my whole heart? Or am I fearful of what God might ask me to give up? I heard this quote this week. Um, from Ignatius of Loyola. Ignatius of Loyola founded this, founded this worldwide mission movement called the Jesuits. And he said this, Sin is unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. Jesus was not trying to ruin this man's life. Jesus was trying to give this man new life in connection to God. One that wasn't rooted in circumstance, one that wasn't rooted in wealth, that would be surrendered at the end of his life. He was trying to root his happiness in an in a eternal, growing relationship with God. So does Jesus call people out of comfort because he's mean? No. No, he calls people out of comfort for their own good, for their own happiness. He wants you to be perfect in Jesus. Not concerned so much about your retirement account, but concerned about your life being fruitful. Your life being fruitful. Jesus wanted to give this guy something money couldn't buy, a life full of meaning, full of the fruit of the Spirit. And if we are in a place where we don't want to step out in comfort, then maybe it's helpful to think about what makes us truly happy. You know, is it material things? Is it more gifts under the tree? Or is it living in relationship with a God who is redeeming the world? Is it living out on the wire? What if following Jesus could lead you to experience love like you've never experienced before? What if following Jesus could lead you into community and friendship with others that you never imagined? And what if living in connection to Jesus could be where you experience God at work in your life through his spirit. So the case I'm making is that maybe we should accept the tension that Jesus offers. Because that's what Mary and Joseph did. To God, Jesus was, you know, at that point, uh, it's, still, it's still in Mary's womb. But Joseph was... Joseph was unsure about this situation he found himself in. He was unsure about uh, the future. And it says this, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. He's calling Joseph out on the wire. Like, this is what I got for you. It's going to be hard. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be really challenging. But it's the right thing to do. It's walking in step with God. I'm with you. I'm watching over you. God's saying, I'm kind of invested in this. Like, I got you. 
And so Joseph didn't walk away from this encounter with God. He, Joseph found peace in God's plan. God revealed his plan to Joseph, and he found peace in it. It says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He did it. Okay, God. Okay, thanks. That's all I needed. I needed clarity. And so Joseph walks the wire, and he trusts God with his life. And you can imagine Mary's relief, right? Oh, good. Finally. Okay. On the same page. So as we kind of enter this Christmas season, it's a time to take stock of, am I living all out for Jesus? Have I gone all in? Am I, am I, am I, not, just, am I not just following Jesus as my Savior, but am I taking up my cross? Am I allowing him to shape my life? Or am I walking the wire? And so here we have two examples of how people respond to God's, God's call. God's call that involves some tension. And it's up to you to, to, to walk the wire that Jesus has called you to walk. There, it, that wire could be loving your neighbors well. It could be praying for your neighbors. It could be sharing about the good news of Jesus with others. That can create some tension. Um, it, can be, it can be just denying yourself, maybe surrendering um, got something that, 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 uh, that's harmful to you, that God has convicted you of. You could walk the wire by giving generously to the needs of others and the poor. And that's what it looks like to follow Christ, to, to lay down our lives. In the movie version of the story, when Philippe comes off the wire, he says, I don't know if he actually did this or if this is just like the dramatized uh, thing, but when he comes off the wire, he says, my name is Philippe Petit, I am a wire walker. And then they arrest him. They tackle him, arrest him, all that. But he makes sure when he gets off the wire, he declares, my name is Philippe Petit, I am a wire walker. See, we're called to be Christ followers. And I, I hope that as we live our lives in Christ, we have that much confidence in who we are. Walking on the wire, living in tension, is something that Christians do. It's who we are. It's who we are. In Matthew 10, Jesus explained to his followers that following him was going to lead them into danger. He said, you will be hated by everyone because of me. And they, they would surrender their lives for the name of Jesus. So following Jesus leads us into tension. If you are a Christian, it means that you will embrace the all the craziness the world can throw at you because you are a Christ follower. Now, I'm thankful to be a Christ follower here in Blaine. There are a lot of places where I feel like it's harder to be a Christ follower. You know, I know it's harder to be a Christ follower. You know, in, in different parts of the world where Christians are actively persecuted, um, where when you get baptized, when you declare that you're a follower of Christ, it's kind of a death sentence or, a, a, or an alienation from your family. There's, there's people in other places in the world that really have to count the cost in order to accept Christ and follow Christ. But I think we need to understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that if you follow me, you are going to experience conflict in your life because of my name. 
because of Christ. Whenever you speak the name of Jesus, it will create tension because Jesus is polarizing. The reason why Jesus is polarizing is because he's dangerous. He demands everything from people, right? He demands everything. This baby that came 2,000 years ago didn't come to just be a good teacher, didn't come only to heal, he didn't come only to be a prophet. Jesus came to be king. And not a political king, but a king, a king of our hearts. That, that God himself, through Jesus, would govern our thoughts and attitudes. He came to shape our lives. And it's okay to say that not everybody wants that. Not everybody wants that. Jesus warned his disciples that following him was dangerous because Jesus is a name that requires going all in. And so, now we, you might not be experiencing persecution, but there might be something else that you're really wrestling with. Maybe it's an illness in your family. Uh, maybe it's an unexpected loss. You may be just navigating a difficult situation at home. And I want you to hear that God sees that tension as well. You know, James talks about us experiencing various trials of all kinds. So there's all, it, the, 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 uh, the tension that we're all called to looks different. And I want you to hear this morning that God loves you in that tension that God sees you in that tension, that he loves you, and that the promise of Scripture is that he is with you, and that when you suffer, he suffers, and you share community with God in that. Know this as we close. Even when we're on the wire, when we are in a precarious and dangerous position, Jesus brings peace. Jesus doesn't bring peace based on our circumstances. Jesus brings peace when we need it the most, when the world is chaos, when our lives are turned upside down. Jesus brings peace. So even as we take that step onto the wire and accept all that God has thrown our way, know that he's going to meet us with peace, a peace that surpasses understanding, that Christ's rule in our hearts is not one of a tyrant, but it's one that leads to peace, love, and joy. It's one that shapes us to, to, to look and act like Christ. And so no matter where you're at, if you're on a wire right now and you're like, God, help me, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. I love that image in, in, in that story where, where Philippe looks up at the sky it's like a moment of peace in, a, in, in just like a crazy, tense situation. You know, when we're in the middle of tension, we can look up and we can see Jesus. We can see God. We can see him at work in our lives. And that's who we are. We are Christians. We are Christians. We follow Christ, trusting that Christ is with us and for us. And that one day, he's going to make everything new. So Jesus, in this season, if you're in the tension, if you are feeling it, if you're like, man, I'm in the tension, know that Jesus has got you. And if you're on the edge, and you're like, I don't know, then I would invite you to pray and ask for God's help to take a step out on the wire.
Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, I just come before you today. And uh, Lord, I'm thankful for all that you do and all that you are. I'm, I'm thankful that you are concerned about who we are as people. You're concerned about the condition of our hearts. And God, you want to form us and shape us to be strong, not on our own account, but because of Christ, because of our connection to Christ. So, Lord, as we, as we uh, enter into this Christmas season, I pray, God, that you would help us to see Christ more than anything, to see Jesus at work in our lives, uh, to, see, to, to, to proclaim Jesus as King. And, Lord, if, if we're experiencing conflict, God, if we're experiencing um, hardship, I pray that you would meet us in, in those tense areas of our lives. I pray that you would make yourself known to us this week. So, God, I thank you for all that you do, Lord. And we pray, uh, we thank you for all that you're doing in our church and community. And, Lord, help us to be strong in Christ. Help us to walk by the Spirit. And, Lord, lead us into a closer connection with God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, we're going to close in worship today. If you want to stand with us, I'm so glad you're here. Um, and God bless you.